Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. He's one of England's most capped international players. Seaman is the man here. He's one of the world's most decorated goalkeepers. And it was somehow kept out by Seaman. That is a fantastic save. This is Seaman Says with David Seaman. And Seaman, what a magnificent save. Him. Breathtaking. Like never before. Hello and welcome to Seaman Says with me, David Seaman and Lindsay Hooper. Today, I'm joined by Arsenal quadruple winner, Anita Asante, and I'll also be chatting to this man. It's like qualifying to be in a supermodel's bedroom, but never actually getting to sleep with her. <laughs> yes, Piers Morgan will be joining us later. This is a good one, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to be a very good one. <laughs> you look like you were in your element at Wembley. It was brilliant to be there. Just the noise that the fans made, you know, just brought back so many great memories. What was weird is I was doing an interview pitch side, and as I started to do the interview, they started playing It's Coming Home. And it was amazing, <laughs> you know, they all singing this song and I'm there trying to do my interview, it was brilliant. I got goosebumps while I was doing the interview, so it was amazing. I saw that interview. In fact, I think I messaged you not knowing that you were about to do a pitch side interview. <laughs> so I'm so sorry about that. No, it was great. It was it was, it was just so good to be there. Um, you know, and I was, I'd got some decent seats as well. Partly, you know, I was on, me and Frankie were on TV quite a bit. <laughs> you were, I saw you quite a lot. Um, you were sat behind uh, David Beckham and Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Yeah. or poor skulls <laughs> as some people were pointing out uh, yeah I could see you um, lots and lots of references as well in Gareth Southgate's post-match interview to you did you hear all of those no I'm, I'm just so pleased I was looking at the big screen and I saw Dave Seaman up there and you know I can't for the teammates that played with me I can't change that so that's always going to hurt but what's lovely is that we've given people uh, uh, another day to remember um, and now we've got to go and do it in Rome. No, oh, that's brilliant. No. <laughs> yeah. I never knew, you know, because I don't know whether he's spoken about that before. You know, I never knew that he was feeling like that. It's nice to know that it meant so much to him, but it was, you know, that's gone. That's gone now, you know, and especially after yesterday, the result against Germany was amazing. It's just washed all that away now. He clearly was carrying it for a long time, though. Yeah, but at least it's 25 years, isn't it? You know, so it's, it is a long time um, and it's been a long time. And we always seem to refer back to that. You know, we always seem to bring up the negatives. I didn't hear much, like I say, about the 1-0 win in Euro 2000 and then the, the 5-1 win in Germany, the 4-2 win as well recently. You know, it was all about Euro 96 and getting beat, you know, so the pressure was on and I do text him every time and um, he just said, yeah, he says, so happy. He says, it's been a long time coming. But yesterday was a performance and a result that was thoroughly deserved. We got it spot on. What was the match day hospitality like? It was quite nice. I was a guest of UEFA because I'm a UEFA ambassador. So um, yeah, they, they looked after us. The only thing they didn't look after us was we went from, so we went from the Hilton to Wembley and they said that they got a car for us. But then with all the people that were there, they got the timings wrong and they said, oh, we're going to have to walk from the Hilton to the stadium. And I was like, how long's that? And they were like, it's only a five minute walk. Little did I know that I would have to go all the way through the England fans. Swear, I got I got my mask on, I got my glasses on, I got my head down, and we was trolling through. And I swear, we, there was like there was cans everywhere. There was people chucking beer in the air. 
there was me, there was a me and a couple of UEFA officials, and, and just like marching through, and people are like, "See me like that?" I'm really? like, "Shush!" And they just got me head down. Most of them as well. They've been there since ten a.m. I know. They? Yeah. So I well, know. one of the guys said to me, he says they've been here since six o'clock, and he says, and they were all queuing outside the supermarket waiting for it to open to go get more booze oh, because God. they're already on it. Wow. <laughs> Let's face it, you're not a small lad. You can't exactly sneak you in very easily. <laughs> oh no! And I had, and I had like me, me black jacket on and me shirt, and I was like, oh no! You know, I didn't want to put a cap on because it would have messed me hair up. <laughs> <laughs> get, get, get your priorities right. Exactly. <laughs> Seaman says, I was making a note and a list of things that I was like, I want to speak to David about, and uh, you know, we probably could have an extra elongated show today. Um, <laughs> I feel like a natural place is. Jordan Pickford. Yeah. There were two, weren't there, saves in particular. The one with his legs, where, yeah. where he really closed down that gap, and the one-handed save where he pushed over the bar. That was so close range as well, wasn't it? Just inside the box, that effort. Yeah. It looked fast. It, it was. The save that he made, you know, the reaction save was quite close to him. You're thinking, well, you know, why did he need to die for that? You know, but then when you see it, you see how quick it was, you know, and how fast he got his hand to it, and it needed that deflection. You know, there's no doubt about that, you know, and it, it looked better in slow motion. You know, I think you realised how fast it was in slow motion. And then the other save where he, like you say, when he had the 1v1, but there was one, I think it was Muller put yeah. it wide, yeah. yeah. But Jordan did well there because he didn't really commit himself. He waited for the striker and then the striker made his own choice. And for me, Jordan's getting better and better. The more experience he's gaining, the better he becomes. I actually thought that his performance was what settled the team. It, w- it was a couple of early him commanding the ball, hi- him running out. You know, th- there weren't necessarily like amazing chances for Germany early on. But I just thought that there were nerves on show from England. Mm. You could see that. And he was the one that was just calming it all. And It was. And who would have thought that we'd, we'd be thinking or even talking about about Jordan calming everyone down, you know, because he's like, he, he used to be like manic and hyper himself, you know, but he's, he's, he's having advice on that you know and he's and he's, he's he's using it really well you know there's one bit where i thought i thought he went a little bit over the top when when muller had gone through and he had a right go at raheem sterling i was thinking he doesn't need to be uh Rolex like that because I, i'm sure he knows what he did it's good to see it's good to see it. and that's good for defenders because if you've got a goalkeeper behind you that's in control then it calms the defenders down as well you know i still see a lot of confidence in that defense we are the only team going into the quarterfinals not to have conceded. But I think my question to you is, is that because the defence is so good or is Gareth's system working so well? What is it? It's, I think it's a bit of both. I think, you know, the system is working really well. Um, players know what they're doing. That's that's a surprise for me was yesterday. Players knew what, they, what their job was. You know, even at one bit, I saw Luke Shaw on the on the halfway line. You know, and I'm thinking, hang on, the ball's down in near our box. You know, don't you need to be back? But but players were then filling in and covering for him. You know, so everybody knows what they're doing, and um, and that's the beauty of it. Especially with even if we go with four at the back, you know, or the three, everyone knows their job, and they know their job when someone else gets out of position. It did feel like when Jack Grealish came on, that was when like butter we were carving them open a bit better so Luke Shaw certainly deserves a mention because he was involved in the build-up to both goals I thought he had a very good game yeah but but Jack just being there being able to play that pass yeah he was just popping up in the right positions again so I think there will be 
a call from England fans to want to see him start this one. Oh, there definitely will be a call. Did you hear the call that was going on in the crowd before? You know, even like when he got up to start warming, there was a massive cheer. The England fans are loving Jack. Obviously, they'll want him in. But then do you start changing the dynamic of the team? It's a big question, but Gareth answered every question superbly so far. And so, in Gareth, we trust. It's normally in Arsenal yes. we trust, but in Gareth, we trust. <laughs> we have to speak about Harry Kane, captain finally scoring, and yeah. what that will do for his confidence and hopefully will mean that he can kick on. Yeah, well, you, you saw the relief in his celebration. To be fair to him, his chance wasn't an easy chance. It was a little bit behind him. And if you watch it, he, he gets a really weird header on it. But great build-up play again. The relief that I saw in his face just shows you the pressure that he was feeling. There were in- a few times where he was near the halfway line and I turned to Adam and I said, David will be going nuts right now oh, because he's so, so deep. Yeah, and I, I don't know why, he, well, I, I do know why he does it, but he shouldn't do it, you know, because he doesn't need to do it. And he needs to be, you know, even first half, I'm thinking, he's not doing anything. He's not winning any headers and he, he was dropping a little bit deep and not really affecting everything. And in the second half, he got involved a little bit more. He had the chance where he miscontrolled it and it got cleared. You know, I started to have a few little doubts creeping in my head thinking, oh, you know, is he really that much off it? And then he gets in the perfect position, which is where he should be, in and around the six-yard box, not in midfield, tappings or little headers. That's what I want Harry Kane doing. I want him on the end of chances created, not trying to create chances. Alan Shearer has said before about the scrappy goals that then get you on a bit of a run. And I think that's what we're now just all hoping, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's exactly what we want want with Harry. We want him to to get his confidence back, you know, because you could see that he was lacking confidence. When you don't score, it really affects you. And hopefully that goal's giving Harry the right tonic he needs, along with a bit of gin. (laughs) (laughs) We don't care how he did it, he did it. And that that second goal, that just gave relief to the nation. Oh, relief to the nation and me. (laughs) Tell you what what was great, though. You know, like, where I was sat with all the VIPs in front of me and everything. Yes, David, we saw it a few times. (laughs) (laughs) But the passion that they show, you know, like when we score, Bex was like stood right in front of me and he, he like, he's up and I'm having to look round and everything. And everybody else was up, you know, like Ed and, you know, the Royals, they were like, even when we scored, everybody was like, yeah, you know, and it was brilliant. I've got Ellie Golding to the side of me and well, she was really giving it loads. Honestly, it was amazing to see the passion that they have for the country and, and for the England team. Seaman says. Hear him like never before. Seaman says. In conversation. This is my great pleasure to introduce to Seaman Says, Mr. Piers Morgan. How are you, Piers? Thank you, fans. What an honour, what a privilege to be in the presence of godlike greatness. <laughs> How are you feeling after yesterday? I'm feeling just oddly euphoric, which is never a feeling we normally have after playing Germany. And I'm actually very excited because with Germany gone, France gone, Portugal gone, suddenly you think, well, hang on, well, why can't we win this? I think on paper right now, you would have us as one of the favourites, if not the favourite, to win. We've got the best players. We're not conceding any goals. We're playing, certainly in the second half yesterday, with a lot of verve and energy. I love Grealish. I love Sterling. I, you know, I think Harry Kane scoring again, hugely important. So I've got hope in my heart, ready to be dashed, but it's there. <laughs> it's the hope that kills you, Piers. Always <laughs> hope that kills yeah. Would you start with Grealish, Piers? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because, like everyone, I was screaming 
for Southgate to bring him on. But you can't argue with success in football. It's a results business. And Southgate's tactics so far have been, frankly, masterful. And using Grealish off the bench in the way that he's been doing as an impact sub to change the game when you get a few tired legs on the opposition is clearly working. As an Arsenal fan, I just wondered uh, with Bukayo Saka what you made of his performance yesterday because it was heralded after the game prior to that and um, he was a little bit quieter but still had to do a lot. I thought he was terrific for the first half hour and then he ran out of steam a bit. You know, it's probably quite a big thing for a kid of that age to be in a tournament like this, just mentally quite draining. So I think they've got to manage him well. But the great thing is you can start with Saka, then you can bring on Grealish, you can bring on Foden, you can bring on Mount, you know, you can bring on Sancho, who I mean, the Germans couldn't understand, given how sensational he's been in Bundesliga, why we didn't start with Sancho. So... He's got a lot of creative options. We were chatting earlier about, I want Harry to be getting the ball in and around the box. I don't yeah. like it when he starts coming deep, you know, into midfield. I know he no, does and it. Also, it's far, and also, it's far too much, you know, it's, it's all got to come from the others to give Harry the ball. But I think also he can be more engaged and more involved than we've seen him so far. And, you know, you don't know what's going on with Harry Kane. It can't just be the clearly terrible burden of carrying Spurs year after year, which must be a <laughs> experience. Uh, but he's not looked himself, and we know he's a world-class striker. But I just feel with strikers, it's like Lineker, it's like Shearer, it's like all these guys. When guys that good get a goal after a little drought, they tend to go bang, 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 bang afterwards. And I've got a feeling Kane's going to take us to glory. Yeah, I totally agree. I honestly think as well that Luke Shaw could be key to that as well. Because as well as Grealish supplying chances, I think Luke Shaw's really got the understanding of what Harry Kane wants as well when when he advances forward. And and we haven't seen as much of Luke Shaw. I think this is the game where last time round Bukayo Saka earned his starting place. Is this the one where Luke Shaw has earned his for the next game? He was outstanding yesterday. And he, I think if Jose Mourinho was watching, he must have been thinking, wow, where did that Luke Shaw come from? And maybe he was there all the time. You know, I think that, um, yeah, I think big players, you know, they turn up at big tournaments. And I think Luke Shaw yesterday made an emphatic statement. Piers, I've got you on now, so I've got to ask you about our beloved Arsenal. Well, yeah. I'm getting a little bit frustrated. Well, it's not just frustrated, I'm, I'm furious. You know, we're, we still pay the highest ticket prices in Europe and we're getting a very mediocre level of football. And, you know, I think it's easy to blame the Cronkies and I'm quite happy to do that. I don't think that they've shown enough commitment to make us really competitive. But on the Cronky side, they'll say, if you ask them apparently, that they've always spent the money when they've been asked to by the manager. That they never turned down Wenger when he wanted to sign a big player. They didn't turn down Emery and they haven't turned down Arteta. Now, if that's true, that puts a lot more pressure back on the players who've been signed and on the managers. You know, I, I made no secret, as you know, David, and we, we've argued about this before, but I made no secret. I thought Wenger went on eight, nine years too long. Oh, eight, nine years? Yeah, yeah I, can wow. chart, I can chart when I first said he should go. I think it was, we played... Man City away and we lost 3-0 2009 I think something like that 2008 maybe and I we just played so badly that I wrote a column going I can't believe I'm saying this about the man who's made me happier than any man alive uh, and played the most wonderful football uh, at Arsenal through the players he's brought in but I think it's time for Wenger to go I then felt so guilty about what I'd written (laughs) next week I wrote a whole column apologising actually the only one of the two columns I regret is the second one because everything <laughs> I put in that first column was right and we never improved from that point. Yeah. And I think the peak for Wenger was the Invincibles 
And then, you know, the, the big mistake he made, he, he refused to give any of the Invincibles who were over 30 more than a one-year contract. So they all left. We lost yeah. all the Invincibles within two years. So we went from being literally unbeatable to a team that everybody fancied beating. And I asked one question, and I'll put it to you, David Seaman, because you're the perfect guy to ask. How many of this squad, honestly, would you put into any of Wenger's three title-winning teams? None of them would get in. That's the yeah. problem. And that's been the problem for the last 12 years. Yeah. And that's why I say Wenger went on eight, nine years too long. And I honestly think when you look back over it all, it, he managed to cover over the tracks by winning a few FA Cups. It wasn't just the FA Cups, though. I mean, in Wenger's defence, it was the consistent amount of years that he got Champions League football. It's like qualifying to be in a supermodel's bedroom, but never actually getting to sleep with her. <laughs> but, now you, you, but now you can't even see a supermodel. You can't even see the supermodel. But my point is, we only ever got to one Champions League final and we lost it. We only, I think, ever made two Champions League semi-finals in the history of the Champions League. Do you have ultimate faith in Arteta going forward? Is he your man? Well, I think that's a big question. I mean, look, we judge Arteta. We're not judging him the same way we judged Unai Emery, who went on to win things after he left us and won a lot of things before us. Emery was given 18 months. Arteta's had that long. And we've ended up out of Europe for the first time in 35 years. And we've also ended up uh, in our worst league position that I can remember for a very, very long time. Has there been improvement? I think no. I think this is a massive transfer window this summer for Arteta. I hope totally he gets agree. the money he wants. Piers, I played golf with Ashley Cole a while ago, and I was shocked in what he said. He said that when he went to Chelsea, the winning attitude was miles ahead of Arsenal. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, he said when you left and when a few of the other guys left, he said it just totally changed. I met Paul Scholes a couple of years ago. I'd never met. I said to him, tell me, what's the problem? Am I wrong? about this Arsenal team. Am I being unfair? He went, absolutely not. He said, when you used to get in the tunnel, and in fact, a lot of the United players of that era cite the 97-98 Arsenal team as the best of all of the title-winning teams, the most perfect in terms of the balance of the team, with you in goal, the back four, best in Europe, Petit and Vieira, Overmars, Anelka, Ian Wright. I mean, that was an amazing team. Burkamp weaving his yeah. Um but he said you'd get in the tunnel against any of those Arsenal title-winning teams under Wenger. And you'd look down and you'd think, we're in a war. We're in a war today. You'd see Keown snarling at you, Bold, <laughs> Adams, Vieira, Petit, and even Burkamp used to put the boot in. You'd see Parley, you'd see Lundberg. They'd all be snorting and snarling. And you'd think, we're in a fight here and we might lose. He said, this lot, weak as bleep. <laughs> if I look down, if I look down, and saw Ozil and these guys, I'd laugh. I'd yeah. laugh. You knew you wouldn't be in a war. Yeah. And I thought that was a very honest, accurate, and sad thing to hear come out of Paul Scholes' mouth. But could that be said about football in general now, though? Because I think even if you look at the Manchester United team of today, you don't have those big figures. You don't have the Roy Keane and, and the snarl and the... Has it have the players become a bit softer? Is that just how it's gone? I don't think so. If you look at, if you look at Man City... I think they're fantastic in terms of determination and hunger and strength and keep going, going, going. You don't have to be fighting all the time. I mean, Vieira and Keane was the great feud and great war, and they loved having a good old punch-up as well. But you don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, Scholes didn't get sent off that often, but he, he ran the midfield like a general whenever he played, whoever he played, England or Man United. I, I just think it's an attitude of mine. Kieran Tini doesn't get into fights, but he's a warrior. 
And it's that warrior mentality. When you cross that line, you look at the badge and you go, we're going to football war and we don't come back unless we win and it will be last man standing if it has to be. It's that attitude. Now, I don't think, David, you can give people that attitude. I really don't. I think it's about selecting players for the squad who have it in them. Ferguson, he would only sign players if he felt they had that in them. He wouldn't sign players who were soft. He just wouldn't sign them. You've got to go and get the Kieran Tierneys, identify them, find them. Yeah, it's going to be a really important first half of the season because if we don't produce or, you know, like start getting into a really good position in the league, then I think I think Arteta's under big pressure. And especially with the fans being in, you know, they will put the pressure on the team. You know, that's where I felt like the team got away with it a little bit last season because yeah. the fans were in there to see that and they would have let their feelings know. Absolutely right. Well, Piers... It's been amazing having you on, mate. When are we going to see you back on our screens? Uh, well, I, I, I'm, this is actually the best audience I've had for a long time. But I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm enjoying a nice summer of watching the football, cricket, getting a bit fit, yeah. get a suntan, and then, you know, look towards the later in the year. Piers, absolute <laughs> dynamite. <laughs> Pleasure, guys. And, and again, let me finish how I started. What an honour to be in the presence of Satan. <laughs> I'm so happy I've interviewed you. <laughs> the greatest goalkeeper in the history of Arsenal. And we've had some great keepers, but the all-time great, David Seaman. <laughs> Thanks very much, mate. Take care, guys. Seaman says. Tournament Howlers. Moving on to the quarterfinals, but you have to reflect a bit on this last 16 round. What a load of matches we got to enjoy. There were some crazy results crazy incidents one of them involving a goalkeeper Unai Simon did he have your sympathy David yeah he did but that that was a proper howler with with Simon you know that that's happened to a lot of people it's happened to me you know like it's come back to me where it's it's took a bobble and I've gone to clear it and luckily for me went down the side of the post I remember it something like that happening with the Paul Robinson Remember when he went to clear it, yes. it bobbled and went in. But this one, there, were, <laughs> there was no bobble. All that it had on it was pace. What happened was, is he for a split second, he started to think about what he was going to do next with it before he actually got it under control. You know. And, is it that age old when I was at school, my PE teacher, don't take your eye off the ball? Exactly, exactly. You know, and it's at the end of the day, we're goalkeepers, right? We stop the ball. <laughs> now we're being asked to stop it with our feet or control it with our feet. And it's a new technique. And sometimes we get it wrong. And normally when we get it wrong as goalkeepers, it costs goals. That's one of the worst I've seen <laughs> as a, you know, as a back pass. And then the goalkeeper miscontrolling it. You know, I remember the guy at Birmingham City when they threw it back to him against Aston Villa. And he went to control it and and that ended up in the goal. I felt for him, that's going to be in his role. You know, it's going to be there forever for him. But mm. I always sense as well when a goalkeeper makes a mistake like that. And we saw it with Dubravka as well. He really struggled to recover. And I thought, oh, there's going to be more goals in this now. But what did it say about the rest of the Spain team that they managed to then go on win 5-3? I know, I know. And, and that's that's brilliant. And that that helps towards getting over that mistake because it hasn't mm. cost the team. You can erase it a little bit, but it'll always get reminders of it. Trust me, you know, I've, <laughs> I've had a couple of big ones that I keep getting reminded of. <laughs> but it was it showed character. You know, and that's what I look for in goalkeepers. I look for when they make a mistake like that, how do they act or how do they react and um, when you see goalkeepers that react positively, like Jordan, Jordan Pickford does it really well. You know, I've seen him make mistakes for Everton. 
I've never seen him make a mistake for for England yet. You know, touch wood. Oh um, no! I know. I know. <laughs> Don't put that out, Jesus. <laughs> That'll go out. Um, yeah, you know. So it's how they react. I've seen him make mistakes for Everton, but then carry on and make like three or four worldy saves that kept the team in it, and then they've got on to win. He shows a good goalkeeper. Seaman says, "Hear him like never before." Seaman says, in conversation. My next guest was part of the Arsenal side that won the quadruple in 2007. She had 71 caps for England and has represented Great Britain at the Olympics. Welcome, Anita Asante. Well, Anita Asante, can you just talk to me about your quad season at Arsenal? <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, where to begin? Um, no, I mean, it's a fantastic season and I don't think any of us could have predicted what we would quite achieve. Yeah. Um, I think we just looked at it game by game and obviously we were going for the league title. That was really important for us and um, the UEFA Women's Cup was just sort of the icing on the cake. Um, we knew it'd be a tough game. Yeah. You know, on paper, we weren't really expected to win. But um, I think we just... We had such a good team dynamic and team spirit, I think, and that always was the feeling we carried on and off the pitch. Um, and it, I always say it's like one of my most favourite moments because of just, yeah, it was just a whirlwind season, but, you know, an incredible achievement. There is no men's team either, David, in the English game that have done the quadruple, is <laughs> I there? Know, I know, I you know. And I was thinking, right, what, what can I reply with? I'm from, all right, I've got, I've got double double, <laughs> but it doesn't quite seem the same as that. <laughs> yeah, to win all four in one season, just amazing. It's just unreal, really. You just, I don't know, you take every game as it comes, obviously. And then when you ride that momentum of winning, yeah. you kind of carry that energy, I think, into the next competition. And that was, you know, the FA Cup uh, and then the European Women's Cup. And yeah, it's just a fantastic. And I think there's a fantastic vibe at the club in general. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you can attest to that. You know, we used to watch you guys and and all the, you know, all the other guys in, in, in the games and, and just love the atmosphere and, and the fans in general, that we have at the club. Yeah. So I think we carried all of that, I think, sort of um, winning and positive energy that we had. It is, you're right, though, because the club at that stage had a, a winning mentality. We, we had yeah. that. And like you say, when, when you get in a season, when you know you're doing really well, you, you do take it game by day, game, but it just it snowballs and the confidence just starts to grow. And then all of a sudden you realise that you might be onto something special, you know, but our, our special was, was just a double. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like blown away with the with the quad when I saw that. It was just a, it's an amazing achievement. And uh, when um, when you was at, uh, at Arsenal, was was Vic around Vic Akers? Oh, he was always around. <laughs> the gaffer. He's, he's the gaffer. He's the gaffer. He's called the gaffer. <laughs> yeah, Vic Akers. He was the kit man at Arsenal, and obviously he was the 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 ladies the Arsenal ladies manager. Um, and I've, I've got like so many memories of Vic. We, when he used to come in, because he was kit man, he would always like bring in these massive boxes of kit that, you know, like Nike yeah. had it out, so Puma had sent. And, um, and as soon as he walked through the dressing room <laughs> with the boxes, we would like sneak behind him and try and pants him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping Anita didn't do this as well. No, but, yeah, right, right. <laughs> But no, yeah, Vic, Vic was there all the all the time, all my time at Arsenal, and then his his son Paul took over, you know. But uh, yeah, Vic, 
Vic's a great guy. I know that you have a lot of admiration for him, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, Vic was the first person to bring me up into the women's team, the senior women's team, and used to watch me as a youth player when I was playing in U16. And he'd pop down and and watch us play. And every time I'd be like, oh, God, the gaffer's here, like (laughs) a little bit nervous, you know, like want to impress, want to impress. And then I got to the women's team and, you know, I think the the respect that we all had for him, you know, and and the way that he had built the team and built the team over years and the legacy, I guess, of the women's club. Um, All of us knew we had like big shoes to fill every time as a youngster coming in. You wanted to play well and you, not for yourself, just for yourself, but for him as well. Um, and you know, we used to have like such fun memories in training when he'd join in sometimes. And, you know, yeah. And we'd be like, We'd be like, you can barely move anymore, but he's still not making people. You know, it was like. (laughs) When you you were playing there, David, were the women on site at the same time um, at no, the training ground? No, they would normally no. train in the afternoons. You know, after we'd um, after we'd finished. Um, I remember um, I did a little bit of coaching because Tony Roberts, who was one of the goalkeeping coaches at Arsenal, he used to coach the ladies, um, and I and I went in and did a, a little session on the uh, the indoor pitch that they've got at the side of the uh, training ground. Um, yeah, you know, but it was always. It, you could you could see you could see the the quality just getting better and better you know week by week um, you know but for me it's it's great you know the the women's football is just is is getting better and bigger and it, and it's good that they're getting like it's, like you said you got eighty thousand at Wembley you know how how cool is that to walk out yeah you know in front mm. of that massive crowd. Yeah. Well, obviously I know how cool it is, but not at the new Wembley. I did it at the old Wembley. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And now, the, now they share facility as well. So, like, you're just all walking around together, which which must feel like you're a part of it more. You must feel more included towards the latter part of your career, club career. Anita, you'll have had that experience more. Oh, absolutely. And when I was working as well at the training grounds in the club, um, I used to do a bit of um, like as a PA for Claire Wheatley, head of development and the head scouting of the men's team. And, you know, the media building, when they walk in, Fabregas, you know, he was a young kid then walking in the building, always so like lovely, just polite, say, you know, hello, have a nice chit chat. And that's what it felt like, you know, a family club. And I think anyone that's played at the club or worked at the club would say that's how it felt. And the kind of, you know, winning mentality, as David mentioned, throughout both teams, it it translated on all the staff around you from the security guy to the chef. So, you know, I used to love it. I used to love being at the training ground and walking around and building and just chatting to people and, you know, sharing those uh, memories and experiences. I could just got this image of the chef and the kit man all walking around with the trousers around their ankles because David and his oh, teammates yeah. have been... <laughs> Patrick, Vieira <laughs> one, Patrick Vieira once done I'm me glad, I'm glad well. I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Patrick Vieira He once, got you, did he? He did. He got me a belter in the, oh, uh, no. in the gym. So we, we were doing, like, keepy-uppy. We play a game. I can't mention the name because it's rude. And, um, you know, and, and then if you... So <laughs> we you all like, know which one. You get, like, five lives. <laughs> and then if when, when you're out, everybody else flips your ear. You know, so we were doing that. And then the ball Ouch. the ball went up onto... There's, like, a, a, in, the, uh, in the gym at Arsenal, there's, like, a little shelf. And the ball went up onto this shelf and got stuck. So I got this box, pulled the box over, stood on top of the box, 
reaching up to get it out like that, and Patrick just come behind me, went bang straight down. <laughs> <laughs> Mirrors all in that gym as exactly. well. Aren't they? <laughs> so I'm sure everyone got a 360. Yeah. yeah. In those situations, do you pull up as quickly as possible, or oh. or do you just think I'm going to just melt this now? No, you can't pull up. <laughs> you cover up as quick as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it's been in the news um, recent, recently about LGBTQ. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean. You know, I, I, I am an activist in this area and, you know, I want to promote equality and inclusion across the game. And I think it's an important message that some of the nations and, and of course, the players um, have supported and, you know, been good advocates of that and allies. Um, so it's disappointing, obviously, to see, um, you know, an abuse against that and likes of Hungary and, you know, their politics yeah. that's going on within the country obviously transfer into the game and then, you know, I know now UEFA have backtracked a little bit on their decision to uh, punish Neuer and Germany for the armband. Um, But yeah, I think it's about, you know, it it signifies it's a, it's a inequality issue, isn't it? And it's a, you know, a, a human issue and everyone should be behind that. I don't, it's it's a positive thing. It's not a negative thing. So how it could ever be misconstrued as something that needs to be punished is is kind of baffling to me. Yeah, yeah it's um, sort of, they, yeah. they they claim that it enters into this world of politics, which I just find baffling. But the the latest was the Alliance Arena. They wanted to light that up in rainbow colours, didn't they? Yeah. And yeah. there was a, an element of resistance to that to begin with. And so Germany now have said, you know what, we're just going to light up everything else in the city and they're going <laughs> to light up all these other buildings. Did you think that was the, the right response? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it just shows because they have their own values as as a nation and as people and they should be able to represent that. And I think them showing a stro- strong message um, is a positive signal to you know people within the LGBTQ plus community and their allies that they are included and they feel supported and football is a safe, hopefully a safe space for them. Um, so I think it's important that Germany did stand by their values and represent that. And it has a monopoly effect on you know everyone else. And I know lots of people were dressing up in rainbow colours and all of that at the other games. Um, and yeah, and it's an it's an important message because we want to show that we're going forwards and not backwards when it comes to human rights issues. Well, Anita, it's been absolutely amazing having you on. Um, can I ask you one more question though? Who's going to win the Euros? Do you know what? I, I it's tough because I've really enjoyed watching uh, Belgium and Holland as well, but I, Italy, I just don't know. I think Italy have something about them yeah. that they could just come out from nowhere. Yeah, and, they seem to be know, very organised. Yeah very defensive they can, and they all know what they're doing and it's yeah. it looks impressive yeah and they had they could, a, do, they could do a grease on us yeah. i think <laughs> brilliant well thanks for coming yeah. on it's been an absolute pleasure no it's been a pleasure and loved still, it thanks I for having me in awe of your quad <laughs> and, I, and i don't mean your thigh <laughs> Oh, brilliant. brilliant. No, I love it. See you, Anita. <laughs> Thanks, Anita. Yeah, see you. Thank you, David. Thanks, Thanks guys. Bye, bye. Don't forget, you can watch all our interviews in full on our website, Seaman Says. This week's predictions. 
Right then, prediction times, Lindsay. Yeah. Switzerland, Spain. Ooh, can you can you believe uh, it's Switzerland and Spain and <laughs> not France and Spain? <laughs> no, but I was really happy to say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, au revoir. <laughs> <laughs> On your bike, I don't know that in French. Um, I think this could be one of the games that goes to extra time. Ooh. I really do. So I think it could be a draw after 90 minutes. Uh, 1-1 and then potentially into extra time oh, yeah. and I'm going to say Spain to score a winner in extra time Oh, right, well I think it'll be more one-sided than that I'm going to go with a Spain 2-0 win, I just feel that they're a little bit like England and they're they're ticking along, they've not produced their best yet and I think that's yet to come Right, what about Belgium Italy, so this is so cool because one of them's going out <laughs> One of the big guns. <laughs> this is the one, isn't it? Whoever wins this, for me, gets to the final. Right. I think Belgium might win here. Yeah. But not by much. 2-1. Right. Well, I'm, I'm going to go, more or less what you said about Switzerland, Spain. I'm going to go 1-1 one, one, and I'm going to go with Belgium winning on penalties. Exhaust them. <laughs> yeah. I want it to go as long as possible. <laughs> exactly. And then the other one... This is Czech Republic against Denmark, and I think this is who we could play if we beat Ukraine. Is that right? It is, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we want this to go to extra time, and everyone has to take a penalty because we want to sap as much energy as possible out of every player. <laughs> so I'm going to go... I feel that Denmark have got this, this momentum and confidence growing, so I'm going to go for a... 2-1 win to Denmark. That doesn't go in my plot of how we win this whole thing, David, because we're not going to be upsetting the rest of the world who want to get behind Denmark. We're going to leave that to the Czech Republic. Okay. So Czech Republic can win this one by a goal to nil. I like that. I like that. I'm going to go with that now. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, let them get all the stick for that and then we'll beat Czech Republic again. Yes. Again. <laughs> exactly. We already know we've done it once. Yeah. Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> and now the big one, England against Ukraine. What are you thinking, guys? Oh, we've all got to pitch in here. Come on. There has to be a correct scoreline in four predictions. I think we're going to do it in the 90 minutes. I do. I'm that do confident. Yeah, I think we'll step it up. As David was saying, they've got a little bit more to show. That first half yesterday wasn't amazing. I think a lot of people on, on social media were saying it was a great result, but not necessarily a great performance. Um, and I think we'll step it up and I think we'll, I think we'll do them in 90 minutes and I'm going to go for, I'm going for 2-0 again. I'm going to go bigger. I reckon it's going to be 3-0. Oh, do you? Oh. I like that, Callum. Yeah, and I reckon Harry Kane's going to get a couple. Lindsay? I'm going to give Ukraine something, which is they're going to get a goal against us. We're right. not going to still have this clean sheet record. They can have a goal because we're going to get three and we're going to do it in 90 minutes, 3-1. 3-1. I like that. So we've got 2-0, 3-0, 3-1. I quite like the 3-1. But I'm going to go totally defensive, like Gareth should do. 1-0. <laughs> <Hey! laughs> 1-0 to the art England. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Love it. So guys, thanks for joining us on Seaman Says. And don't forget to leave us a review after listening to the podcast and follow us on social media. See you soon. See you in the quarters. <laughs> this is Seaman Says with David Seaman. This is a listening dog media production.
Social Podcast Network.